Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. My wife picked my shirt out today. I just, there's about three times a week I get ready to leave the house and she goes, let's try again. Here I am. Hope you've had a good week. Everyone have a good week? We missed you last Sunday morning. It was, uh, what a cool event for our city as a marathon. Um, I'm about to do an explain a brag. That's where I explain something and in turn I'm bragging. I ran my first half marathon last week. Yep. I was feeling good. Running by this building, I was like, good. I see some of you out and about and cheering and it makes me feel uh, good. And I get to mile 10 and my phone goes to 20% battery. And I listen to podcasts when I run and I guess I had downloaded so it's streaming. I was like, oh, I'm going to shut this off because there's a lot of people and I rode with someone else and I'll get lost. And so I turn the uh, podcast off and then I'm just running and I, all I hear is my feet and my breath and my stomach starts telling me, this isn't fun. Why are you doing this? This, but everyone's going to get a medal. So what? <laughs> like, you have 20%. Call an Uber right now. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I have the bib. I'll cross the line. And I'm running, and I'm struggling, and I'm just staring at my feet, and I was like, whew, this is not very fun. And I was like, no, Caleb, get out of your head. You're in your head. Get out. Look around. You'll see people. And I'm noticing it's very quiet, and the whole time as people are cheering, I was like, just look around, you'll get your burst from doing that. And I look up, and this is exactly how it happened, hand on the Bible. I look up, and I turn right, and I'm running past a very long stretch of cemetery right there. <laughs> and I was like, do they have any plots? I'll take any of them. <laughs> I was like, I know where I, me and God stand. I'm okay. Oh, I got a burst at like mile 11 finished it off. It was, uh, what a cool event for our city, Right? Like, man, that's a really cool thing. And then to gather together that night, which, which, what an awesome thing. And so today, I, I want to pick up right where we left off the last time we gathered on a Sunday morning, right? The last time we gathered, we're celebrating the fact that um, the tomb was empty, you know? The, and, and isn't it cool that two weeks later, it still is? Like, that's what makes us who follow Jesus unique, is our ending isn't here yet. Our story is still going. God's mission is still Going, So I want to pick up kind of after that happened. Jesus is alive again, and he reveals himself to his people. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to see something that happens. So throw Acts chapter 1 up on the screen if you have it, Maddie. Thank you, my man. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him. This is the apostles and his followers of Jesus. So men and women who've been following Jesus um, from before he was crucified and resurrected to afterwards. They're gathering around him, right? They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going at this time? Or are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're gonna come back to that later. Next verse. Uh, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. This is the scene. This is, we call this the ascension of Jesus, right? Sitting there talking, he's like, hey, you're gonna have a work to do. And then he's gone. I want you to picture the scene as it really happened. This is one of those stories that we read about and we're like, oh, that'd make a good movie. Um, but think about the fact that this happened. Like this really happened. That they're sitting there talking to Jesus. He's teaching them. He tells them something to do. And then he is gone. They watch as he raises and he's gone. He goes into heaven. What do you think they're thinking? Right? They've been following Jesus for three years. They've seen him do miracle after miracle and wonder after wonder and ministry after ministry. And they've seen him be uh, crucified and then resurrected. And now he's gone. They've just lost him for the second time in six weeks. Do you know how deflating of a feeling that must have been? And two men show up and they're like, hey, don't be, don't be worried. He'll come back again someday. Like, that doesn't help me. Have you ever been really stressed or nervous or scared? And someone's like, it's all gonna be okay. How does that make you feel? Like, good, would you like me to punch you in the throat? Like, like, and then afterwards, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Let me get you some ice. Like, does it make you feel any, any better? The you know, week before Easter, uh, we get a phone call like the Wednesday before Easter and uh, we're having a baby in September and we got a call, they uh, found something and they needed to do some tests on. Um, it'll probably be all okay, um, but the tests are gonna take seven to 10 days. And I was, and I was like, what? And I was trying to be okay. Uh, for my wife and, you know, didn't, what do we tell our other kids? We don't want to tell them. And, and then Easter came and it was Easter morning and I was struggling and some friends of mine noticed and very thankful. And, and they're like, you okay? And I was like, not, not okay. And, and of course, isn't it when something is really big in your life going on when everything else happens too, right? <laughs> like stuff was crazy with family, with kids, with work, people not happy with the two different things. And I'm like, I just want you to know that I'm not doing okay right now. I can't handle anything else right now. And it was like the Wednesday before Easter till the Wednesday after. And when we got the call, um, that everything was okay. Everything came back okay. And it was like this moment. But there's nothing that anybody could have said to me before that doctor called that would have made me feel any different. There's just that fear and anxiety. And it's like anything else that came my way that week, I was like, I don't have time for your feelings. I can't help, like, like, you have to put yourself to bed. Your nightmares don't affect me right now, sweet child. <laughs> this is the scene for these followers of Jesus. They lose him again. They lose their savior, their Messiah, again. He's gone. And you know the question I think they're asking. Will we ever see God do anything like that again? Will we ever witness God do anything like this again? And I don't think that's an unfair question to ask. I mean, think about that moment when you said yes to Jesus and he changed everything about everything for you and everything was just like, boom, and God can do anything and everything. Have you ever wondered, will I ever feel like that way again? Think of those big moments that you remember in church. Like, will I ever see God move like that again? This is not a new question. In fact, if you just go, let's just go back in the book a little bit, shall we? Deuteronomy chapter 34. And I know a lot of you are coming in here like, ooh, I hope we're in Deuteronomy today. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about what's going on in Deuteronomy. 34, verse five. And Moses, 
the servant of the Lord died there in Moab. This is a really happy way to start. Glad Caleb's teaching today. Died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. We could talk for like three hours in that verse, but we have a short amount of time today anyways, so we can't. Um, The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Next verse. We're gonna skip ahead to verse 10. Since then, this is important, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all the officials in the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in all the sight of all of Israel. Moses, the one who knew God face to face, who no one has done anything like before, died. And what do you think the people of God were wondering? Will God ever move like this again? They've lost their leader. Moses, the one who was the prince of Egypt. Moses, the one who split the Red Sea. Moses, who saw God face to face with the burning bush, who called down the plagues, who led the people of God out of the Exodus into, out of their captivity. Moses is gone. And the people are sitting there wondering, will we ever see God move like this again? And you know what happens in the very next verse of the Bible? The very next verse of the Bible It's in the book of Joshua, verse one, chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. I love that Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. I love that. Like, hey, Joshua, how's it going? Uh, Got some news. Um, He's like, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country into the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was, was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What happened after Moses died? God's mission wasn't done yet. The mission didn't die with Moses. So Moses is dead. So what does God do? He raises somebody else up. God's like, okay, he's gone. I'm gonna raise somebody else up and we're gonna be about the Lord's work and I'm gonna go with you. Just as it was with Moses, I'm gonna be with you. Every place you set your foot, I'll be there too because the mission isn't done yet. It didn't die with Moses. God's always raising people up. He's always calling the next person up. God's people were suffering, so he brought them Moses. God's people are lost, so he gives them Joshua. God's always raising the next people up because the mission isn't done yet. Let's fast forward a few hundred years or some, some few years, I don't, I don't know the exact math. I didn't do it. God's people are suffering under several kings, evil kings, and they are suffering under their rule. God's people are lost and desperate for him. Will we ever see God move again? And it brings him a man named Elijah. And Elijah does some incredible things, right? It hadn't rained in a long time, and Elijah's like, I got it. Lord, bring us some rain, and it did. A widow's son was dead, and Elijah goes, Lord, let's get to work. And he wasn't dead anymore. That's crazy. 
He called down fire from heaven to burn up an altar and some other dudes. That's an awesome story, except for the dudes. <laughs> he does a lot of incredible things. And in fact, one of the last things of Elijah's life is he's taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Let's go to that, shall we? 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 7. 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, which if they had heard what Elijah had done before, I'd stand at a distance as well. Like, I want to see what this guy does, but I don't want to get too close because that fire thing happens again. Um, <laughs> facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. They're standing at the Jordan River, right? Elijah takes off his cloak. He rolled it up and <laughs> struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Ooh. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. This is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You have asked a difficult thing, <laughs> Elijah said. I was saying, hey, what can I do for you? I'd like a double portion. I was hoping you would ask for a ham and cheese. <laughs> you have asked a very difficult thing. <laughs> you want a double portion of the spirit. Okay. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it won't. Next verse. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took a hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak. Man, if I could be like anyone in the Bible, I'd hope it. Mm. He picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Next verse. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He said, when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left. And he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed before him. Here is Elijah, the great prophet that God has sent to rescue his people from suffering. And he is gone. Elijah, who has done all of these things, is gone. And 50 people are there to get the front row seat. Where is your God now? Will we ever see God move like this again? And you know what Elisha said? The mission didn't die with Elijah. It's not over yet. Do you know what Elisha asked for? More. I want more, God. I'm not satisfied with that. I want more, double. And so he picked up the cloak. You know what he didn't do? He didn't wait and hope that the mission of God would somehow advance. Hopefully God shows up again. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to pick up the cloak and get to work. And he slapped the water and went across. He asked God for more. Elijah goes, you know what God did? He keeps raising people up. He raises Elijah up. He raises Elisha up. Let's go back to the story. Jesus ascends into heaven. They're sitting there wondering what's going to happen. You can find the story in Acts chapter one. That reference is very, very important. They're wondering, will we ever see God move like this again? And do you know what happens after Acts chapter one? 
Acts chapter 2 happens. God's people are wondering, will we ever see God do anything like this again? And you know what God does? He says, everything that you've been walking through, all, I love what you said, Sally, that, that God had been preparing me for this moment. Everything they had walked through, God was preparing them. You know what he was doing? He was going to raise people up. He's going to raise men up. He's going to raise women up to be about the kingdom because the mission didn't die with Elisha and it wasn't gone into heaven with Jesus. The mission wasn't over yet. And he's going to raise people up. So after Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two happens and the Holy Spirit falls like fire on his people. And they begin to proclaim in every tongue and every language to every person on earth that had ears to hear about the good, gracious mercy of our God who came to bring life and life to the full. And you know what happened? They met and gathered and people were added to their number daily. That's what happened. Because the mission wasn't done yet. And you know what happened after Acts chapter two? A man named Stephen comes along and Stephen begins to proclaim the good news of Jesus and they can't shut Stephen up and they try and they try and they try. And finally, they realize the only way we're gonna get this guy to stop telling people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus is if we kill him. And so we're gonna get big rocks and we're gonna throw them at Stephen until he finally dies. And even as they were stoning him to death, he was singing and proclaiming about the goodness of a God who came and died for your sins, that you have been forever about him. And they killed Stephen. God raised Stephen up, he proclaimed him, and they killed him. And they killed him at the feet of a young man named Saul. You know what happened after Stephen died? Mission wasn't over yet. God kept raising people up. And who on earth did he raise up? They laid their, as they stoned Stephen to death, they laid their coats down at the feet of a young man named Saul. And God goes, that's my guy. If you're in here thinking, well, God couldn't use me, I beg to differ. After Stephen, you know what they did? He goes to Saul and he meets him on the road to go kill other believers. And he says, I want you and I'm gonna change your name. And you're gonna go to straight. You're gonna sit there for a while and I'm gonna teach you. You know, God raised up Paul who has probably proclaimed more things to more people than anyone that's ever walked the face of the earth. God's always raising the next person up because the mission isn't done yet. And you know what happened after Paul? He raised up Timothy and he raised up Titus and he raised up Philemon and he raised up Jude. God's always raising people up. And he called the people in Philippi and he called the people in Ephesus and he called the people of Rome. God's always raising people up. Remember that verse that Jesus said right before he went into heaven, you will go to Jerusalem, Judea and to the ends of the earth. Now, if the ends of the earth were a thing in Acts chapter one, it would have to be the farthest place you could probably get from Jerusalem where they were when Jesus ascended. Where's the farthest possible place? You could say, what is the ends of the earth for the gospel of Jesus to go? I want you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I would think it would be on the other side of the map in a continent that was hundreds of thousands of years or a thousand years away from being discovered. In the middle of that continent, in the plains of it all, is a city called Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. To the ends of the earth. And you know what God's doing today? He's raising people up in the ends of the earth from where he said that sentence, right here in Oklahoma City. Friends, if the people and the men and women of God could advance the gospel to the literal ends of the earth, don't you think you could take it next door? Shouldn't you be able to take it to your coworkers? Men and women of God have brought it all the way over here. I'm talking about it right now. And God is raising people up in the ends of the earth from Jerusalem and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And guys, the mission of God isn't done yet. There are people without homes. It's not okay. There are people that you know and love that have yet to say yes to Jesus. Not okay. Mission isn't done yet. 
God is always raising people up because the mission isn't done. I, I said this before earlier in this series. I think the saddest thing that I could possibly imagine is after an entire year of talking about Jesus and that he changes everything about everything, I can think of nothing more sad than if after a year, we would, as a church, think all of these things were really good ideas for us. That'd break my heart. This isn't just for us. This is so that we can do something with it, because I think we get in danger of becoming two things. And I see so many churches that people become either one way or the other. What we become is spiritually fat. You ever hear this? I want to be fed. Feed me at my church. And I'm like, you don't need to be fed anymore. You're so fat. Go exercise your faith. We come in here every Sunday morning. We eat and eat and eat and eat. And we just sit on it all week long. I'm going to read my Bible and read my It's going to be good for me. And I want God to do this and God to do this. Give me a better life and a better life and a better life. And you don't do anything with it. Exercise your faith. Or we go the opposite way, right? We become spiritual bulimics. We show up on Sunday morning and we eat and eat and eat and eat the worship and eat the teaching and eat the prayer time. We go home, we throw it all up and we starve ourselves the rest of the week. And then we get upset next Sunday and we don't serve you the menu that you want. We can't do those things. We have to do something with our faith. You've heard the saying, right? Because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. And he didn't come to make good people great. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he came. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come here so I could have a great life. That's not why he came. He came here because I need life. That's why he came. Because I was dead in my sin. That's why Jesus came. And me being obsessed over me having the more comforts and God doing more and more for me. Do you realize he's done enough? If he did nothing else for Caleb, hadn't he done more than enough? And the truth is there are people that are dead in their sin all around us, right next door, right now. And the restaurant you're going to eat in, at your work, your kids, your kids, friends, parents, dead in their sin. That's why Jesus came. And you know what Jesus says? You will do even greater things than I. I was at a state baseball tournament this weekend, uh, this Thursday. And I had been prepping for the sermon, and then I was like, I'm going to go watch the game. The, coach, the school I coach at, I don't coach baseball. Uh, but um, <laughs> obviously, I, I look like a football coach, don't I? Um, <laughs> they were uh, playing a state tournament game, and, uh, and I was sitting there talking to some of my old players came back. And, and one of them, who I hadn't uh, seen in a while, he came back. And I was like, he's like, hey, coach. He's like, oh, what's going on, man? And we start talking a little bit. And, he starts talking about weird YouTube videos because that's what 19-year-olds do. They just talk about YouTube videos. He's like, hey, you know, have you seen this uh, YouTube documentary on, you know, the Star of David? And I was like, nope, haven't seen it. I have children. I don't get to do. Have you seen Paw Patrol? Um, <laughs> he starts talking to me about this. And, uh, and this is a kid that I've never had a single conversation about anything spiritual with. In fact, he's one of these kids that I'm like, I need you to not, I need you to, like, one of those. And I liked him, and he liked me, but that's, that's as much as ever gone. So he keeps bringing it up, and I'm like, that's cool. And he starts talking about something else. Have you noticed they're building the temple of this and this? And I was like, no. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, something's happening here. This is Thursday. And then I said, I start, so I'm like, I'm going to engage him see where it goes. What's the worst that could happen? 
So like, you know, one of the reasons I'm a believer is there's just evidence of, of Jesus in the Bible everywhere. Like there's chariot wheels in the middle of the Red Sea. Yeah, because we crossed. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, you know, palm trees frozen under the ice in north of Greenland because there was a flood because God said no, no more. Like there's evidence of the Bible everywhere. You can't get on one mountain because the ark is there. Because the ark is there. Like, we could talk about this all day. That's not what this story is about. So I start talking to him and he's talking to me back and forth. And, and then he's talking about driving. He's like, yeah, I was driving one day and I, and I spent some time. And, you know, I, 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 after I had spent some time repenting, I was like, well, what? I stopped him. I said, wait, what did you just say? And he starts pouring out his heart to me about how he has been so deceived and how he spent his time repenting and how his roommate thinks he's crazy and his frat brothers think he's crazy because he wants to go all in. And he starts being burdened how the world is deceived by the enemy of what they think is gonna give them life. And he said, coach, I, I thought I had to hit rock bottom, but I was already there. Like, like church, can you get excited with me that a young man who's 19 years old, Jesus is changing everything about everything in his life this week? Like, is that not unbelievable? I looked at his face three or four times in this conversation. I said, who are you? I couldn't even recognize his voice. And as he was talking with me, the Lord just said, pray for more for him. Pray more protection over him. Gosh. Pray more wisdom, more discernment, more burden for those, his friends that don't know Jesus, more courage to proclaim the words more opportunities to share his faith. More, give him more, God, give him more. And I haven't stopped praying that for this kid for three days. Church, can I invite you to pray for more with me? Can I invite you to pray for more for you and not more for your life, but more for those that are walking around dead in their sin? You know what I wanna ask God for today? more burden for those that don't know Jesus, more passion to speak his truth, more conviction over the sin that's holding you back, more wisdom for the words to say, more discernment, more. God, give us more. I pray more. I pray more of us that there are churches that care more about them having a good godly experience than they do their fact that there are people that surround them that don't know Jesus. That should crush your heart that there are people that care more about their own experience and more of them having a better life than the fact that Jesus came to give all of us life. That should crush us. We need to pray for more of that. Burden us more, God. Convict us more. Stir us up more. Give us more passion, more conviction, God. More wisdom. Give us more discernment. Church, can we just pray that over us this morning? Like if I get a prayer team down here, can you come forward and ask them, would you pray more for that for me? You know what there is to be ashamed of that? Nothing. We need more. Can we just like, fill up the altar with burdens for those that don't know Jesus because I witnessed a kid who God's changing everything about everything for him and I want more for him. That could be the people that surround you every day. If the gospel came to the ends of the earth, can't we take it next door to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our kids, to our friends? Couldn't we take it that far at least? I'm gonna have the prayer team up here and we wanna, come, we wanna pray for you. We wanna pray more for you. And, and here's what I wanna say. Come get in line, line. We'll pray for you all day if we have to. Come fill this altar up and say, God, would you give me more passion, more conviction, more burden? 
more wisdom, God, more discernment. Could we, could we please, church, can I beg you to ask God for more for the sake of the kingdom for those that know Jesus? Because the mission isn't done yet. It hasn't stopped. It's not dying with Tim. God's gonna raise us up. Everything you walk through, God wants to raise you up to advance his kingdom. Can we ask for more this morning? And if you're in here and you are one of those walking around dead in your sin, you need to hear this. Jesus came to give you life. If there's a line, cut it. Get to the front of the line. We'd love to pray for you. We want you to walk out of here with life and not death. Church, can we, can we get prayer over us today? Prayer to take the mission of Jesus to our next door neighbors, to our friends, to be burdened about what's going on in El Salvador. Can we, can we be burdened this morning, church? Can we ache and ask God to call us up? Lord Jesus, I pray for this time. I pray that you would move God in the only way that you can. That you would move in and amongst your people. That you would call us up to more. Give us the passion, conviction, burden, wisdom, and discernment, God. May we fall at your feet asking you for more, God, to see your name taken to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth because the mission isn't done yet. Give us the wisdom to move, God, in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.